Welcome back to the Value Investor Chatter Podcast. My name is Becco and my co-host Hari. Today we're going to talk about Uber. Uber just announced their earnings yesterday. And we got some awesome headlines from Wall Street Journal. All these papers are covering Uber. And we want to look at the footnotes. We actually want to dig deeper into what's actually happening at Uber. So welcome to the podcast. Um, before we begin, let's start with a quick disclaimer. Yeah, this is the Value Investor Chatter podcast. We are uh, a podcast that is for educational purposes only. We are not financial advisors. We don't know your specific financial situation. So please consult with the appropriate advisor before making uh, any uh, uh, investment decisions. Excellent. So... I say we just dive right in. What happened? Uh, what happened this quarter and last year for Uber? Hari? Yeah. So just uh, you know, just for longtime listeners, you may remember we talked about Uber a long time ago uh, and their business model uh, as it relates to you know. At that time, they were mostly doing uh, what we I'm going to colloquially call the the uh, the the taxi service right where you know you you on the app you order a, a car and somebody shows up you get in and the app takes care of the payment you maybe may leave a tip uh, and so forth um since then uber has added three lines of business one of them is gross uh, or is deliveries uh so like food delivery services you could they can actually pick up things like you know from cvs you know for you uh, and then the last uh, uh, part of it is uh, freight delivery. So, so they've all, they have three lines of business. Uh, and what is interesting is during the pandemic, it got the uh, the you know everybody was locked in their houses. They used the delivery service, um, but the uh, taxi service uh, was something that they uh, you know fell off a cliff. Well, now that we're kind of you know out of the uh, like the pandemic, you know they're showing a a nineteen percent uh growth in their uh overall uh revenue business uh, uh in bookings for all three lines with the taxi service growing 31 percent uh and the the delivery service growing six percent so if you look at uh wall street kind of chatter about it it's like uber's back this is you know they're you know they're really crushing it and blah, 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 blah. And we've always complained that their business model is kind of terrible. Um, and it is kind of terrible and it still is terrible. So we're going to actually go into it and explain why it's still terrible. Yeah. So Uber. So by the way, if you go to our website, valueinvestor.org, you will get access to free access to our database, which contains fundamentals data for most of the companies in the public market in the US. So just come to our website, search for the ticker symbol for Uber. It's very simple. Uber, it's um, New York Stock Exchange. So here we go. It's the fundamental data. If you look at the income statement, what I am, you know, frankly, in, impressed by is the growth, right? From 2016, the total revenue, $4 billion. In 2021, $17 billion. It did grow. It's a category-defining company. But as, you know, as good investors should be looking at, we should be looking at what's actually trickling down to the bottom line and how the func how the company's functioning within the belly of the company, the balance sheet, the cash flow statement. So I, I do want to point out that the growth rate has been just incredible in terms of the growth at the top line. 
And also another thing that I would like to point out is there is insane, incredible amount of engineering that actually goes into Uber in the sense that when you are trying to catch a ride, there's all kinds of optimization in the, in the sort of the software product space, it's called the data product, right? These machine learning algorithms that are embedded in the Uber system to predict rides, to make sure that the, the, you know, the, um, the amount of money that you have to get, you have to charge and get paid. It's sort of appropriate with, you know, supply and demand, all these things. So there's a lot of engineering work that has to go into it. And so that, that's, that's also something that, um, that Uber sort of, sort of pioneered. So. I'll leave it there and then let's actually go into, let's actually go into the belly of the company. All right. I'll toss it back to you, Hari. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's actually dig in because Uber just announced, um, their, uh, Q4, uh, and full year results, uh, for 2022. Um, and so we want, what we want to look at as somebody who's trying to uh, evaluate a company for an investment, um, is, is really like, you know, is this something I can understand, right? That's number one. And number two is, is the company that I'm looking at something that I can predict into the future. And then number three, is this going to be a reasonable, you know, cost for me, you know, relative to the, the actual, uh, value of the entire business, right? So we want a margin of safety when we're looking at it. So just to start, right, we, we have to be able to interpret press releases and um, and really understand, you know, is the company telling us the whole story or is the company kind of telling us uh, a very complicated picture that makes it very difficult to actually assess the business, right? And in my, my argument today is going to be Uber is telling you a story that is um, very difficult to understand because they have a lot of one-time things going on every single uh, uh, release. Um, and that the big story here is that I don't think that this is really like a very good, going to be a very profitable business for a very long time. Right. Um, so let's just start with the, the top, you know, that we, we kind of talked about this, the overall bookings grew by 19%, which sound to 30 billion, which sounds great. But when you actually dig into the, uh, numbers here, the mobility, which is the, the taxi service only grew 31% sounds exciting, but their delivery service only grew 6%. Um, you know, uh, and based on a constant currency basis, it was actually 14%. So a lot of this is also currency exchange because they have a lot of international things, right? So we're already starting to get into some complexities here about like, I have to actually understand because it's an international company what's going on. Right. Um, yeah, I also just want to point out that this, I think this is a constant theme as we look at all these different companies, because a lot of companies report year over year growth, obviously for the last two, three years with the pandemic, it's been an anomaly. So I think that's something to consider because one of the things about Uber is that they actually didn't do so well during the, during the, the pandemic, because everybody was stuck at home. No one's going out and catching rides. And so yeah. therefore they're actually their Uber Eats business was doing quite well, but the actual, you know, the, the, the taxi service, like you, like you say, Hari didn't do so well because of the pandemic. So we're comparing against a year with a big anomaly here. So just to keep that in mind for everybody. Yeah. And, and that's a, a really good point about, so next year, now that things have kind of settled down, you know, 
post pandemic, are they going to see this equivalent bump, you know, next year? Right. Or are we, is this the kind of growth rate that is unsustainable and it's going to be, you know, uh, relatively small bumps, like closer to 6% next year. Right. So that's the question that we have to kind of think in the back of our mind. So right now, so far, we only talked about the top line growth. So top line growth. So let's move on to the kind of the, the next, next line here in the press release. Yeah. So, uh, we'll skip here to this third bullet point, which is net income, right. Which is kind of the bottom line, uh, Part of it was 595 million, which includes a 750 million pre-tax uh, benefit, um, and that is because this is where gap analysis kind of throws everything off. Is Uber has a lot of investments in other companies, and so because of that, they have to report on their net income statement um, any gains of uh, in their portfolio uh, on on a market basis. So. What you're seeing is 750 million of a positive benefit to them for their equity portfolio, which actually means that they have a net negative income if you take that away, right? Um, By the way, I just want to point out, Hari, when we went to Berkshire Hathaway back in 2018, I think, or 17 or something like that, this is exactly the point that Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger was warning against because of the accounting rule change, right? They were just like really not happy about that because... It distorts the the visibility into the actual core business because of the equity adjustments that you have to make on the income statement. Right. It it effectively means that the net income statement is now useless, right? You have to now look at, and what companies do is report this adjusted EBITDA, right? And And now the problem with doing that is the adjusted value is not comparable across companies, right? You're no longer doing comparable analysis across different business lines because each one's adjustment is different depending on their business and they can basically make up whatever they want, right? So I'm not going to even look at that because I'm going to go down to the, the main thing that we actually care about, which is cash flow, right? And the reason cash flow is so important is this is cash that you take all of the operating activities that a company has, take their cash, then subtract out their capital expenditures, which is exactly what they're describing right here. Um, and you can actually see that their cash flow was um, was negative for $303 million. Um, now, that sounds terrible, but then you actually go in and look and see that they had to settle... Um, some uh, tax claims with the UK government, which cost them $1.1 billion. So, or I'm sorry, their uh, their free cash flow would have been $1.1 billion had they not had those claims. So that cost them like $1.4 billion. But here's, here's kind of the problem with this is, this is a very large company at this point. Their market cap is 70 something billion dollars. And they're, for, you know, in their kind of their, best year they're generating 1.1 billion dollars in free cash flow right so you're it would take them 70 years at a constant you know rate to pay back their entire market cap right so this is a very expensive company they have to basically execute perfectly going forward for this to be uh you know and and that means that their growth rate has to be sustained at 15 20% in the future for this to to be a worthwhile investment right so that is one thing that we need to put into into it, you know, into the back of our heads as we go through a little bit uh, of this further. So, uh, 
Yeah. Yeah. That, I, th I think that was a good kind of summary. One thing here that we should look at in the last bullet point is unrestricted cash cash equivalent short-term investment, $4.3 billion. So they do have $4.3 billion in their war chest. So cash that they can deploy into the company to grow. But the question is, right. They, they will at this rate, will not, they will need to go out into the capital market again to raise more money. And so I think, I think the, the story of Uber comes down to kind of basically two questions. What is the, the growth rate? Because the richly valued companies like Uber relative to the actual value that they present to the market, the, the fundamental assumption there is that the growth rate will not stop. It'll accelerate. And the future is where investors are, are putting their money behind. Right. And so that's, that's one thing. The second thing is what is the, what is the, um, how much runway do you have to actually execute this? Because if you need to go out, this is, this is the classic kind of thing that a lot of startups have to do is they need to go out and raise more money and raise more money and raise more money. But every time you go out and raise money, you're diluting yourself if you're not really reaching that valuation. And, and it, it's just, it, it's just like, it's just more friction, uh, from investor standpoint. Right. So that's something that you guys have to think about, I think, um, as we go through this too. So I want to I want to highlight another comment here, a point here about how what Uber is reporting and what um, why it is so important to actually pay attention to the footnotes and other comment you know other points in the uh, press release because the reason this is so important is it looks really good on Uber's per, from Uber's perspective about their their revenue growth and other things until you start reading some of these footnotes. So mobility revenue in Q4 benefited by a net amount of $1.2 billion from business model changes in the UK. Delivery revenue in Q4 and uh, in 2021 and 22 benefited from business model changes in some countries uh, by 548 and $686 million respectively, right? So what, what is actually... And, when you say mobility take rate, this is another comment that they're making, includes an 800 basis points benefit. So an 8% benefit uh, from business model changes in the UK, excluding then this impact, mobility take rate would be 19.8%. So it looks really good when you read this little table that they have, their take rate went up from 20.1 to 27.8, but it actually went down. It's just how they're, uh, how, you know, there's some accounting rules that are changing, uh, uh, that are coming through this, right? So why I'm, I'm, you know, we're going into kind of into the weeds here is this makes it very hard for me to assess is Uber actually getting better? You know, um, their, their revenue looks like it's growing and all of these other things, but a lot of this is, you know, stuff happening under the hood that's actually causing some of these uh, improvements. So, you know, Uber has always been in my too hard bucket. I, I don't understand the business well enough to really say I should go and buy this or, you know, you should invest in it because I've never really quite understood why this company never makes a whole lot of money. I mean, we talked a little bit about it when we talked about Lyft, but these are the kind of things that make me nervous as an investor, right? Is they're, they're changing things up because of, you know, and it's becoming more and more complex to understand the business. And it still is not generating a ton of money. 
uh, for shareholders. So. Yeah. It's great comments. I think, um, I'm just looking at some of the footnotes here under delivery and freight as well. Yeah. It's interesting. What is the, I think the investment thesis for a lot of, uh, investors that are putting money behind Uber is again, again, it's the future growth, the future promise that once you deliver this, once you deliver this, this goods to, to the people, they will continue to stick around and there will be some technology tectonic shift that will happen that will drive down the costs significantly and somehow able to actually squeeze out margin that actually makes sense from the valuation standpoint. I think that's the promise. And what I've heard people say is that at least on a unit level, so one ride at a, at a ride level, the unit cost makes sense. It, it is rational at the unit level. If you, if you discount some of these things. So obviously like, I think it's clear that, I think it's clear that Uber is, is, um, is banking on some kind of like tectonic shift that will happen in the future that will, that will actually rationalize the cost. And I think a lot of companies have been kind of thinking about like, or the, I don't know what, um, right. It's the, it's the whole idea of, um, the self-driving car and all these different things, but, um, well, that's, Becco, that's I want to, I want a unicorn that does magic and poops gold, but that doesn't mean I'm going to get one, right? Like, just because Uber wants something doesn't mean it's going to happen. So yeah. I don't know how they're going to, you know, pull it off. Right. Like it, to me, it's just, there's nothing really exciting about a business that, you know, barely gener you know, $30 billion in revenue, but only a billion dollars in free cash flow. Right. Mm -hmm. They're going to have to cut expenses, do something to really, to make this a, a like a money machine. Cause it's really not a tech company, right? Like, like a software company has very, very high free cash flow because they have, you know, small number of people generate a lot of the revenue, right? Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's where this kind of falls apart in my mind. Mm -hmm. I think one of the, one of the things that I have noticed, so I, one of the things that I've noticed, I ran, um, I ran the sort of the clinical practice where we hired sort of like it was a service it was a sort of tech employed tech enabled services company but at the end of the day it was still a services company i think this is kind of the lens that a lot of investors are looking at uber uber as a technology company in fact their name uber technologies right they they're proclaiming to be a technology company but the fact is you have to hire these people and do things in the in the world of atoms that is much more expensive than yep. being a purely software play so and I think that's kind of what we're seeing here. And another thing that you mentioned and that we, we talked about in the, in the Lyft podcast is the, the thing about the, um, insurance side of things, right? Right. Every ride that every ride, again, like it goes back to the unit level economics. Does it actually make sense from a unit level to actually deliver these services? Does it actually make sense from the cost standpoint? And I think a lot of the expenses that we talked about in the Lyft episode was mostly around this insurance that the company has to carry in order to deliver this service, yep. which if you want to actually make sense of it, you have to charge more, right? Fundamentally, you have to charge more. And this is where things break a little bit, I think. Right. Yeah. And I think another thing that, that I think is contributing to this is 
and perhaps a big factor is is the zero monetary, you know, zero rate interest rate environment. I keep bringing this up over and over again because I think it is at the root of a lot of these misallocation of capital. If and I've been saying it to all my friends, every time you ride an Uber, you're getting subsidized by the company. And where is that money coming from? It's it's coming from, you know, um, Sand Hill Road and it's coming from all these VC before they went public. Right. So every ride is being subsidized. And I, it seems like that is still the case today. Um, and it's it's sort of the it's sort of the byproduct of the zero rate interest environment and a lot of the misallocation of capital that has been done over the last you know few years. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think what we would, if we were really interested in a business like that, we would, we would really push our investment thesis by digging in further and further into a business because that's, um, you know, that's part of the process of going in, uh, you know, to an investment, right. Is you, unfold more and more layers until you kind of have a full understanding of what's going on. When you are at a point like we are, we're, we're looking at this business for the first time in a long time or the first time ever in many people's cases, <clears throat> you're really just trying to understand, is this a business I'm going to be able to understand? Or is this something I'm just going to get confused by all of the complexities that they have? Right. And in, in the case of Uber, and this is kind of why Warren Buffett didn't invest in a lot of tech companies is yeah there's a there's a problem with um understanding their business but there's also a problem of understanding their business five years from now right is uber going to be disrupted by something that comes along right is it going to be uh you know is it going to become you know disrupted by government regulation right you know at this point that risk gets smaller and smaller right but it's still possible right and then there's the fundamental fact of that they have to insure every ride that is expensive, right? So how do you get, you know, wrap your head around this? There, This is a company that's basically an insurance provider, uh, you know, plus a, you know, a service provider for, you know, finding a, a rider and a, uh, and a driver. And, you know, they have a, they'll always have the problem of getting enough drivers, you know, so, and it's very costly to get drivers who then turn around after three months and leave the platform, right? So I think those are all risks to me that are expenses that are not going to be, uh, you know, so what it ends up being is you have to raise the price and then fewer and fewer people use the service because it's too expensive, right? Yeah, so. yeah I think the, I think fundamentally the one of the things that we talked about during Lyft was let's actually walk through this from a qualitative standpoint, right? What is the competitive advantage? I think you mentioned a couple of them just right there or lack of rather the riders, do they stick around? I mean, every time I went on Uber ride, they had two phones, they had one for Lyft and then one for Uber and then maybe some other ones. And they just kind of switch around depending on, and then this is the same way for riders, right? Okay. I look up Uber rides and then if it's a little bit cheaper, if it's more expensive than Lyft, I go with Lyft. So yep. there is no allegiance to a particular company. They don't really lock you in like they, like a good company. I mean, lock, I suppose it's, it's kind of a strong word, but that's, that's kind of, you want that recurring revenue and there is no allegiance to a company in this ride sharing space. So that, that, that makes me nervous. And another piece is it, it's, it's, it's kind of, I think we're seeing this is that when you raise prices, 
I mean, it has obviously a chilling effect in terms of the, the writer uptick and everybody has been accustomed to, you know, sort of like $20 ride here and there because it was subsidized by the, the zero interest environment from, you know, the, from the VCs and the public market investors. So we'll see. I mean, yeah. So I, 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 I maybe, maybe we can end on a, on a positive note. I, I would like Uber and some of these companies to be successful. I, I, I truly do because I do use them for, you know, for getting around and stuff like this, but as an investor, that's a whole, that's a totally different story. Um, but yeah. Yep. Yeah. All right. So I think that is it for us. Um, I hope this was educational and helpful. If you guys want to learn more and want to continue discussion, continue the discussion on Uber, have rebuttals to Uber. Uh, we'd love to, we'd love to engage with you. If you'd like to do that, come to our website, valueinvestor.org. You can find us there. There are a ton of free resources on valueinvestor.org, our website. Like I mentioned, the database is there. We publish uh, well thought out newsletters every week and the podcast every week. So definitely check us out there and subscribe and like, I hate saying this, but I got to do it. Subscribe and like, and leave a comment below. Um, tell us how you like the podcast. All right. Anything, anything from you, Hari? No, I, I mean, I just encourage people to also hit up our website, like Becco, uh, talked about, uh, join our community. We'd really love to hear from you to chat with you. Um, uh, and, and we have a lot of exciting things coming up on the, the community page and on our, our website. Um, we post a blog post, um, once, uh, a week. Uh, if you've been following along, you'll get to hear about <clears throat> how we uh, talked about the uh, uh, how Disney is kind of uh, throwing money into the uh, into the furnace uh, for the last few weeks or for the last few years, uh, and we actually concluded that series on how how could we actually fix Disney. So, if you're interested in that, I'd love for you to go to the blog uh, on valueinvestor.org and click on the blog uh, link. Uh, take a look and read at it. And then if you have questions, you know, send us emails, uh, join the community, you know, check everything out. So. Excellent. Sounds good. All right. I'll see you guys next time. Thanks.